You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man-to-man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and we got news to talk about. I don't think it's the news Texas fans want to hear. <laughs> we unofficially, <laughs> officially have a defensive coordinator hire. It's going to be Chris Ash, but it hasn't been as of the time that we're sitting down to record this. He has not been officially announced by the university, but it's it's imminent. It's done. Yeah. Uh, no offensive coordinator, and we know now it will not be Graham Harrell. Won't be Graham Harrell. Yeah. He has signed a multi-year extension to stay at USC, so we're going to talk about all of that on this week's show. Before I do that, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. Matt Butler, how are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Fighting off a little cold, but I am managing. And a man who, I don't know if he gets colds because he's a renaissance man and he probably knows about holistic holistic therapies Mm -hmm. and whatnot because he's just that kind of guy. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, then make sure you get that black card. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, let me remind everybody, thank you guys so much for downloading, listening, subscribing to this show. Search Horns 24-7 Podcast. You get the flagship, State of Recruiting. You get the Longhorn Blitz. Like us, leave us a review. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for supporting this show, supporting the Horns 24-7 Podcast, and for supporting Horns 24-7. So, Rod, let's get down to brass tacks. You want to get to the good stuff or the bad stuff? Doesn't matter to me. We can hit it every which way. Doesn't matter how you start. Usually you start with the bad news. Yes. Well, you let's, work your way to the good news. Uh, let's so get to the, the bad news. Well, let's do the Chris Ash stuff first. Okay. I think that's almost easier to talk about. Is that about. good news or bad news? Well, I think it's to be determined news. That's how <laughs> I'm looking at it. So we no, don't even I, have I, no order. order. Sure. All right, let's start with well, it. Well, at least the go. good news is you don't have to worry about who's going to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, uh, it's going to be Chris Ash. A lot of people said this was the worst kept secret in, uh, in in Austin, Texas, because everybody knew this was going to be the we, case. We talked about it last week. This was there there were, there were there were some nuance to it because there were candidates being vetted, but at the end of the day, how much what type of vetting I should say was yeah. done, what type of due diligence did Tom Herman do? But there's a reason from the jump that Chris Ash's name was at the top of the list of defensive That's coordinator true. candidates. Uh, we knew Morgan Scally was staying at Utah. 
Barry Odom goes to Arkansas. Yeah. Um, you know. Then then potentially, you know, Ohio State could have brought back Chris Ash. And I think that's why Tom Herman had to do it when he did. Because I think he would have preferred to maybe wait. Was it Halfley? Jeff Halfley takes the Boston, up College, the Boston job. College. So right. that I think, yeah, sense of urgency there. Once because he, he could have came off the market too. And if Chris Ash came off the market, I mean, what do you have? Because yeah. like you just mentioned, a lot of guys were off that market already. I think, I think Jimmy it, Lake was off the market because of Washington and their situation with Chris Peterson. He was going to be the head coach here's in waiting. Here's what we're dealing with right now, Rod, in coordinator searches. It's mm-hmm. all about optics. And the optics would be if Tom Herman didn't, let's assume even if Chris Ash, because calling a defense would have been a big thing for Chris Ash and Greg Madison's calling that defense, is my understanding, a big part of it at, at Ohio State right now. Okay. It, it, regardless of that, the optics are, well, you know, Chris Ash looks like he's your main guy. Your other candidates are kind of falling by the wayside. They're staying at jobs or taking other jobs. And you've kind of got Chris Ash out there, and you go into the signing day with that uncertainty of, well, is he going to go to Ohio State? Are you going to get this guy? I just think Tom Herman didn't really have a choice at that point to but to stop the uncertainty and say, okay, if this is your guy, you can't hold off doing it anymore. You've got to No, no, and get, I have no problem with that. We talked about this. I have no problem with that. I understand. I mean, uh, among those candidates that were mentioned – um, I mean, Chris Ash was right up there with, you know, the those guys. I mean, Morgan Scally, we all talked about that. That was a long shot from the right. jump. You just helped him get a raise, which Texas often does. He uh, was he was my number one guy. He was number, And I, I love Jimmy Lake from the jump, but then randomly Chris Peterson retires, so Jimmy Lake's off the board because he's going to be the next head coach there at Washington. And then you start looking at Barry Odom, and he was floating around there, and now you didn't make the move quick enough, and then Arkansas, I think, got a hell of a uh, hire in, in Barry Odom. And, yeah, he started looking around, and it's like, well, I better make this move on Chris Ash because he could end up going back to Ohio State or somewhere else. So I totally understand the move. Uh, and I don't think necessarily Texas settled, but it's a question mark. We, we have no idea if it's going to be a success or if it's going to be a failure. The only thing I think I can guarantee, just based on recent history, the first year is going to be really good. And then after that, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the first year is, is, I'm telling you, my black shoot on this prediction, first year, going to be good. New All stuff. right, first year for Manny Diaz was good. First year for Vance Perford, good. First year for Tyler Lando, good. I have my prediction, and I don't think it's a, an outlandish, crazy one. It, the defense is going to be good. It's going to be a top 25 defense. Compare 07, compare 07 to 08. First year for Will Muschamp was good. Yeah. Yeah, well, and think about the rosters, you know, because you good. sort of look well, at the like, last time. defense never fell off a cliff. Even 2010, yeah, they were still the good. defense was still pretty damn good. No, it but was. I'm talking about going going from 2000. Well, yeah, you're right, but you just I'm I mean? just talking about just in the sense of going from 07, that Larry McDuff, Dwayne Aquino defense. <laughs> yeah, which, and even but that, you know, even going atrocious. That's why 08 was so good because year one under Muschamp under good DC. Yeah, you're right. Was it was, it even, was. even going from 03 to 04 last year, Carl Bull Reese to the first year with Greg Robinson, that defense got a lot better. Yeah. It's not about the fresh message, the, the fresh message. I well, from Greg defense. Robinson, well, anytime you bring back you know, Derek Johnson as a senior. <laughs> I know. So you, got, you got a pretty good I don't want to get into yeah, the personnel and all that because then we'll be the, the true rabbit holing, and I don't want to go rabbit holing right now. But the truth is, recently at Texas, we've seen it, and you guys went back mm-hmm. even deeper. 
first year defensive coordinators have had a really good year. Honestly, I don't want to even examine it till the second year and see how it's doing because I know, I'm almost certain they're going to have a good defense. And it makes sense too when you look at all the experience returning. And, and that's gonna why have it's a so weird that the they end year. up getting fired, even though you have all this group of players that are going to be a very experienced. Like that 2017 defense, when you look back at it now, it's it, like, oh yeah, well you got Puna, up Puna, there. like you makes know? total sense. Holton Hill has a breakout year readily. You know, he's like a shutdown corner early on, returning pick sixes. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was to Sean Elliott, right? And yeah, it's weird the way that we've talked here. about these leftover players, but crazy, it has man. been that first year coordinator yeah. sort of so, been able to benefit from bless it. You. Bless you, Jeff. And then if you think about the way that this Ash thing's playing out, I just want to ask Jeff on the idea that I know we haven't officially nope. announced him as yeah. one, Texas but has he put it. pen to paper? Because the, is there that tiny, minute one percent sliver of a chance? No, I mean there is. No, I was him. told um, today's recording this on Tuesday, so I guess I was told probably Saturday that the contract was being worked out It'll this be past Saturday. So yeah, yeah. so it's if a, pins to paper, you're good. No, to go it's, there. it's a done deal. And honestly, he's the first name we heard. And it was either late late Saturday, early Sunday. Yeah. I mean, he was the first name we heard, and that's what a lot of Lohan fans were upset with. They don't know how deep the vetting process went. And the truth is, none of us will ever know. Right. right? That's on Tom Herman and that. You know, we'll find out in five years. Some coach will be like, yeah, Coach Herman called me, actually, about the DC. You know what I mean? It always works out that way. Yeah, so yeah. we just won't know. I think I think Tom Herman actually did do a, a – a, a tried his best to do a thorough process. I think Chris Ashford at the front of his – you know, uh, search. I think he was like one of the top guys. But mm-hmm. I, I think he, you know, I don't know if he reached out to John Heacock. That was one of my only things. You know, I, I'm a big John Heacock guy. I was like, I mean, did he reach out to John Heacock? Did he reach out to his name, Phil Snow? Did mm-hmm. he reach out to Phil Snow? Some guys who had, had, you know, success already in the Big 12 with certain schemes. I don't know if he did. That's my main concern about Chris Ash. I think Chris Ash can come in, and I know it's a more simplistic scheme. He's going, you know, I, traditionally it's a 4 3 down quarters coverage scheme he usually runs the i think they run an over when they do four three and they run a four two five they do an under mm-hmm. but i mean all that the semantics doesn't really it doesn't matter as much as we say that's like the three man four man for, oh, no 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 it doesn't matter you, if you can have success doing either mm-hmm. as long as the guys are well coached and here's what i get back to chris ash and i hope this is what tom herman is going is that chris ash's scheme although simplistic and all about being able to read and react that it gets back to developing talent. Because I'll say this again. I said it on my show, and I've been saying it for weeks. This will be my my this will be the kind of my sticking point. It doesn't matter what the scheme is and what the strategy is. Three man four three man front, four man front, uh, running the cover three, inverted tampa two, man coverage, whatever. If your guys aren't well coached and aren't developed, it's going to fail. And that's why these coordinators we've just been talking about, how the cycle that they go mm-hmm. through every three years, that is why they ultimately fail. Because ultimately the talent is still un or underdeveloped usually, period. Mm-hmm. All right? That's why Texas, and I, I'll make sure I got the stats right here because I make sure I brought them up, that Texas had only 13 draft picks since 2015. 13. Bama's had 46. Ohio State's had 40. I mean, they've had – Texas has had one offensive lineman drafted in the last 11 years, people. Last offensive player drafted in the first round was Vince Young. Come on, guys. Like that, We are, we are kidding ourselves. Oh, Ohio State, right now, if you look at the top <laughs> six finalists for the Heisman, they've got, they had four of them that at one point signed a letter of intent to go to Ohio State or are still there, including Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Justin Fields, and J.K. Dobbins. 
Yeah, look at every NFL. I mean, <laughs> I mean if you watch the Saints, their entire secondary is from Ohio State. Yeah, like, like there's certain schools, on, certain blue buds just loaded. It doesn't matter what scheme they're running. If they don't go back to just developing ta- – listen, Mac Brown had players that were underdeveloped. Trust me, I know it, and we all remember it. We were complaining about it, but it wasn't as bad as it is now. Yeah. Mac had guys underdeveloped that was like, oh, man, I wish, you know, I wish, you know, this, I wish Marquise Goodwin would have been a – he should have been an award – a Belitnikov award winner instead of just being, a, what, a second-round draft pick. That's, that's, your, that's kind of the Mac, you know what I mean, disparity there. But mm-hmm. for, lately since, you know, Charlie Strong and Tom Herman, dude, it's <coughs> – and even Mac in his later years – Man, it was it's dropping off a cliff. Yeah. And so my point is, it doesn't matter. It, it, Chris Ash can develop the talent at Texas. It, it, I don't care what scheme he's running. It'll mm-hmm. be it'll be successful. You know what I mean? Because the talent ultimately will determine the result and how well it's playing. The, right now, we just saw Sam Ellinger go from being better than better than Joe Burrow. <laughs> All right, in in basically right. six months to now, Joe Burrow being the number one overall pick, the best, the, the, the probably the winning the Heisman by the largest majority ever, all because they brought in one guy yeah. that shattered his ceiling. And our offensive coordinators and minds here at Texas, they lowered the ceiling on Sam Ellinger, like, who everybody in the country thought was better than Joe Burrow six months ago. You brought up the best on, example man. right there with LSU because, <laughs> I mean, look at uh, just three or four years ago when you had, like, Odell with Landry, with Jeremy Hill. Exactly. Like, the amount of talent that's in. Underdeveloped. L- LSU's yep. been saying the same thing for a decade about their players because then they get to the On pros. offense. Yes, yes. Not on defense. Well, true, but the idea that if you look around just program-wise that yeah. you can get the talent, but are you winning at collegiate? No, but then where's that schism in between? Is it developing? Is it scheme? Once you start to develop, well, then well, you can it's, still it's get those there. Things. And it's then you marry things. them all together at the yeah. top, and that's the yeah. main idea. It's, that's the separator whenever yeah. you get to the get to the top. I'm not saying the there aren't other aspects of it. Listen, you got to recruit well. you got to develop that talent well. You also have to have the great scheme and strategy, Developing game planning, going into a game, though. and you got to have a really good culture. Right now, I, don't, I think Texas may have one of those four tenets, which is recruiting, and everything else is hell. But but you get back to, to the point about LSU, and I agree with you, Matt. LSU, they had the recruiting, and I mm-hmm. think they had semi-good development. I think they had Mac Brown-level development. Yeah. You yeah, I mean? they were around where, the where Mac Brown level. For, their Mac Brown level development yeah. where you're competing. You know what I mean? You still wasn't f- saving you. 50, 50% of those guys that you bring in at blue chip guys mm-hmm. are probably being developed into NFL picks. But man, when you got to that, when you got to the 05 years and then that, you know, the 05 through 08 years, mm-hmm. man, your talent development surged. It went through the roof and your scheme and strategy was perfectly on point. Mm-hmm. So you were still recruiting and your culture was off the chain because you had great leadership. Yep. That's what happened at LSU. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow turned into a great leader your scheme and strategy end up being perfected because you brought in joe brady mm-hmm. you had always been recruiting great but then now you're developing that offensive talent just mm-hmm. like you're developing your defensive talent with dave aranda mm-hmm. and here you go national title yep. and that's what texas had no fight yep. it was all those yeah. four tenants working NLA, together yeah, in a way and the same thing yeah so i think and that's what bama has had for a while and clemson yep. they put it all together ohio but, state what got yeah us here? To, ohio state texas is missing that right now but my point is get back to the basics the scheme and the strategy Listen, I know you can get to that, and right now you're struggling with that because you thought your pro spread would work, and now it's not. Dude, get back to just developing the talent. Because you know you're getting the talent. Let's go to all the four. You know the talent's there. 
So just develop that talent. Mm-hmm. If you develop that talent, you're going to win 10 games every year. You may not win a national title, and you may not win the Big 12 title. Mac Brown showed you that, mm-hmm. but you can win 10 games. Yeah. You can win 10 oh, games. Oh, yeah, he's going to win you. You can you win, make 10, you can win, win 10, 10 games, games here at Texas without winning the Big 12 title. And I'm not saying we should lower our standard. My point is, that was just Mac developing the talent that he had. And and some of you guys were like, he ain't even developed. He's under, underdeveloping <laughs> that talent. He's not developing it enough. And you were probably right. My point is, we still were getting first-round draft picks on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. First round draft picks on defensive side of the ball. And those guys will leading you to double digit wins. Mm-hmm. Then take the next step and be like LSU and go, you know what? We need to go get us to Joe Brady. We need to unlock And, and Texas did that too, because they mm-hmm. did it with Gene Chiswick. And mm-hmm. Mac Brown did that. He was like, All right, I got everything. I yep. just need I need I need something to put me over the top. All right, go get me. Was it was it Gene Chiswick in 05? He's like, let me go get that guy. You know what I mean? That guy will put us over the top. Yep. We're right there. I mean Greg but, Davis. But, but right now, you can't be making tweaks, man. You you got to make wholesale changes. You need an you got an axe, not a mm-hmm. you know what I mean. You got to scalpel this thing. So I just think, man, the basics is: can you turn that four star DN you brought in into a first or second round Get draft pick? ceiling. Can you do that? Yep. And if you don't, if you ain't doing that, then man, you don't need to be here. <coughs> and that's where, like, you look at the bus mm-hmm. rate, and that's why we always talk about something like that was the idea of developing. And you, we had started to see the last few years that maybe Texas wasn't going to be at catastrophic levels where you have entire classes that can crater your development or if they transfer out and then like when oh, you get to this point class. you're at the tipping point right now it's killed yeah killed and you're at the tipping yeah. point oh, that, for Tom Herman's 20. career going forward right now on if he's going to be able to be a guy that continues to just produce talent and go in have a decent serviceable level that you can get this you know 24 uh, years of continuity and be able to have a connected four years without a huge cratering year and then once you do that you can really work on having a full roster and as long as you develop that it gets to the point that you want to be at the problem with player development is where rod just flubbed the fact that you said the 2016 class and you had to think about which of these really bad classes in the last decade yeah, has been the really bad class max really bad is. class was 2009 is it 09? Yeah, I was going to say it was 09. And, and 12 had a high bus yeah, rate. 09 Thir- is 13, the one. That- 13 had, what did we say, Matt? That was like a like a 45% yeah, bus rate. I think the 09 one was higher, though. The 09 no, I, 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 I tweaked Matt's formula a little bit. Okay. So. Jeff it, redid it the numbers this offseason, but the point is, is it seems yeah. like we're on a rolling every four years. You have a every fourth year, year you have that you. one that <laughs> one class, and the 13 class was like that, and then the, the 14 class wasn't great, but you had, you know, Andrew Beck, Puna Ford, Deontay Foreman. You had guys that kind of saved that class. Yeah. But then, like, the 16 class, like, yeah, you had, you know, L.J. Humphrey and, you know, Colin Johnson's probably going to be an NFL player. Brandon Jones will have a chance to play. But then, like, your entire defensive line class was basically a wash. Mm-hmm. Except for Malcolm Rose. Malcolm Rose. Who you didn't even recruit initially as a defensive lineman. Yeah. No, you're right. No, I just, I, I, I just look at it no matter which way you decide to slice it and which angle you decide to observe it from. It comes back to talent development, man. Yeah. It really yeah. does. In Texas right now, honestly, they they had zero players on the first team all Big Twelve defense. Texas? That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, even when Texas <laughs> is bad, player? you're supposed to have it littered. One guy. Like I remember in the nineties. On the, on the least, AP like, team, first and second team on the AP team, you had one guy, Malcolm Roach was second team. Wow. Crazy man, because yeah, you used to look at those teams and it would be like, well, how did Texas not be successful this year? You got the whole all conference team littered with Longhorns. Now it's the total inverse. Yeah. So I, so if Chris Ash can do that, I don't. The scheme to me is secondary. Can you develop the talent? Let's get you back to the basics, man. 
Because right now these guys are they're they're underdeveloped. That's why to me, Rod, there's two critical hires Chris Ash has to make. Who's coaching corners? Because if he's going to run this press quarter scheme, yeah, you're going to have situations where your corners get left on an island sometimes. Yeah, and that's one position we know there's talent there. Yeah. Like though that that group now got that group got better as the year went on. Yes, they did. And I'm not so sure. With all due respect to Jason Washington, I'm not so sure it was great coaching as much as it was. Reps. This is great talent just getting playing yeah. time, Reps. just it's getting experience. Totally agree. Yeah. And the second thing is in this league, well, really, there's three things. You got to maximize that defensive line, and we'll get. I want to get into that here in a little bit. But secondly, in this league. You gotta figure out what you're doing at linebacker, the type of bodies you need there, and you gotta figure out how to make that position work. In the Big Twelve, it's gonna be tough. I mean, because just think about Chris Ash, and I went back and looked at at least a lot of his experience versus spread offenses, offenses that were at least um, similar um, in philosophy to the Big Twelve air raid ish offenses, and. It ain't, you know, it, it doesn't look good. Like, it's not a good track record. When he was at Ohio State, of course, it's a different story altogether. But usually when those types of offenses were presented, they presented a ton of problems to him because he is a guy that wants to be structurally sound. And what we learned about defense in the Big 12 is, um, you know, you basically, and, and I think this would work, he's a bend but don't break kind of defense and read and react which is almost what the philosophy is for John Heacock's defense in Baylor, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, they'd bend but don't break, but they'd read and react. You don't want to be too rigid, and it's crazy to say this, in terms of your uh, structural uh, blueprint where if something happens outside of the scope of your defense that it completely shatters your defense, right? You want to be malleable and flexible. On your defense, right? And that's why I think they have that that four, uh, the cover four kind of matchup zone quarters coverage the way they play it. It's just it's flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I just wonder how that's going to be adapted to the Big 12 where they're going to spread you out and, and stress you as much as possible, make you defend every dimension of the football field vertically, horizontally. Like I just wonder how he's going to be able to match up with it. That's my concern because the Big 12 eats defensive coordinators alive, man. They do. We've seen it here firsthand. And he'll play different. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to play a quarters coverage all the time. Of course, he'll mix it up, play cover one. I'm sure he'll play some cover two, some Tampa two. He's, been a, he's two. been a Tampa two guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm sure he'll mix it up. My point is, it's about in the Big Twelve. Um, it it really is about your approach to modernize progressive defense because the the Big Ten, your idea of defense in the Big Ten is not going to work here in the Big right. Twelve. We we know we all know that, I, mm-hmm. and I think Tom Harmon knows that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just it just won't. Yeah, the Ash diversity. Yeah, the diversity you have here with B.J. Falson, Demarvio, and Overshone, and guys like that, you really got to use it. How do you use it? Are those guys going to become your linebackers? Are you basically going to play with three, four safeties on the field? Uh, and let those guys be your linebackers because of their versatility. Because th- this this scheme is hard on linebackers. Yeah, it's tough on Very, you. Yeah. Know that. Yeah, and that's it, why that's that's why that position group right? is is my big concern. Because Rod, there are no good answers there. At no, that group, if you got a Gary Johnson and Malik Jefferson, yes. But we just, we found out how rare that is, and when mm-hmm. Texas lost those guys, how it affected the defense. And we we all agree that you know Delia Dayway and Jawan Mitchell, for all intents and purposes, are basically the same guy. Like they're two pretty much Mike traditional Mike linebackers. Put them in the front, let them run downhill, C gap to C gap kind totally of guys. Uh, so, really, you're only two. Really, you've got three options at linebacker if you want to run this scheme. One, like you said, do you take guys like Demarvion Overshone and B.J. Foster and basically say, okay, 
You guys are my my Sam linebacker, You're my, my Will linebacker. linebacker. But in the Big Twelve, you'll be playing in space, so it, right. It won't. And it in this scheme, like linebackers linebacker. are playing heavily in space. Exactly. So there's that option. Two, you better have hire a damn good linebackers coach and hope you can get David Benda and Marcus Tillman ready to go by the time next year rolls around, because those guys have skill sets that mm. lend themselves to being more space playmakers than the other two guys you've got. Yeah. Or three, you better be looking at that grad transfer market and that JUCO market and seeing if there's something there that can help you. No, you do all three. Or there's that. You do all three. That's what you. That's what you're telling Roman. You're you're wholesale changing. You're you're overhauling everything. You do all three. You aren't you above anything. Three. Yeah, exactly. No, no. I mean, you're all coaching those, for all your those job are possible right now. solutions. We will employ all of them. All mm-hmm. right. We we gotta go have the best damn linebackers coach in the country and one that can develop talent and teach guys how to work in space against spread offenses. Let's go find that guy. Let's go overpay him and let's go make him an assistant head coach and do whatever we whatever the hell we gotta do. Also, B.J. Foster and DeMarvion Overshone, of course, they're working hybrid linebacker positions. They were mm-hmm. already doing it with Tart Orlando's defense. We're going to continue that. It will teach them how to play hybrid linebacker and safety in every situation, period. And what's your third solution? Oh, Juco grad, Juco transfer. grad transfer. Uh, yeah, grad transfer market. You do that, too. Of course, you go and transfer a portal, and you go look for the next Gary Johnson. Go look for a guy like that, that can, that's just perfect for the Big 12. Yeah. And he was. He was just a perfect Big 12, 12 linebacker. So, I'm with you on that. I think, I think the linebacker thing worries me in this defense more than anything because I think you can find quality corners that, in Big 12 country. And, and you got quality corners on your roster. You got quality it's just a corners of, Can you develop them? Yeah. Line, linebacker? I, I've, I've gone as far as to say, Rod, I think that linebacker's coaching hire slash what you do with that position, that could make or break this hire, this Chris Ash hire. I don't disagree with that at all. I'm totally like with you. Like in, in this scheme, if he's going to he's gonna keep the same four-down press quarter scheme, Man, you you got to be really good at that spot, and you've got to have guys that can yeah. make plays in space. Because I was going to say, I think it the D, for the D linemen, this scheme is going to be easier on them. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? And especially for the defensive end, it's going to give them a little bit of wider scope. It won't be as easy to double team. They'll have more ch- opportunities to pass rush, use their ability in space. But I'm with you. I think a linebacker is key, and I agree with you about the cornerbacks, man. The cornerbacks, it's, you know, and bless you. I think the cornerbacks have that kind of natural. Um, here at Texas, they do have cornerbacks who naturally work well against the spread. They're spread babies, yeah. but you do have to teach them a certain amount of discipline in this scheme to keep the structural integrity of it. I like the fact that Chris Ash more often than not likes to roll his corners up towards the line of scrimmage, and these guys were better when you saw them do that. I think yeah. that's more of you definitely want to. That's that. more. That's more in their wheelhouse. That's yeah. like, and I don't know why Todd Orlando didn't do that more. Because I'm like, that's, that's why you recruited Jalen Green. Yep, reroute the wide receivers. That's why you recruited Anthony? Cooper. Disrupt the wide receivers. Disrupt the timing. Force them to get off of their uh, their natural alignments, and mm. that way, you know, hey, maybe he's a hair or a yard off of where he's supposed to be, where the quarterback thinks he's going to be. You know, that's how. I mean, that's how you get pressure. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. crazy to say it's all those little ma- minor details. No, yeah. it's how you end up getting pressure in and the end. Those the are the little things that it sometimes maybe go <laughs> undervalued in football. Is just the idea of make complicating the mental capacity of your opponent and doing it on all levels that it doesn't even matter if you are that effective with the gym. If you mentally first make the quarterback realize that he's doing that and you think about what it could do with your timing of the pass play or then it just the mental consumption of 
what the defense is doing or showing the different options so then you aren't just the same thing where now the quarterback is comfortable with what he's seeing and changing up different type of looks and stuff that seems simple, but when you add them all up within a play and just using up as much of the mental capacity of your opponent, even if they say most of it's unnecessary, but just doing it because you have the capability to do it. I know, and I, I totally agree with that because I uh, was just you know talking about Chris Ash and how he runs you know four down, um, you know four you know four three quarters coverage most uh, most of the time at least that's ideally that just means that's what he wants to show as his his um you know show as his shell all the time like that's what he wants his to base. show the show the offense it's like and Tom Herman's eleven almost. always exactly and then he'll always shift yeah to a different mm-hmm. formation he'll always shift to a different Which we coverage within there happen. so the quarterback will always see the first the same thing initially and then. The they see the still frame from their, yeah. you know, and film you'll break coverage. Your, yeah, you'll break your shell coverage. So that's what people say that because you're right. That's what the disguise is built on. But just the the discipline mm-hmm. and the fundamentals to basically be able the alignment assignment initially is going to be to look like quarters coverage, four down linemen, and, you know, I mean, it won't be a 4-3. It'll be a 4-2-5. But that's where, like, say, here. scheme pre-snap is a totally detached thing from actually being scheme within the play because then of you course. can go in and, and that's – but those are different levels of complexity that if you are at, like, say, the top of your game when you watch some of these teams, like I love watching everything Shanahan does in the NFL because every right. single play there's no wasted use of 11 players and it's all engineered with a reason to consume somebody pre-snap and that's then post That's true, but keep in mind Tom Herman wants to simplify things. That's the point of bringing Chris Ash in mm-hmm. was that that's what you had with Tart Orlando. Oh, true. You had Tart Orlando moving mm-hmm. a lot of stuff pre-snap, making – very true. There can be too disguises, much. Almost yeah, to the point where it was, oh, it was exaggerated. Tom Herman now wants to, to be simplify efficient. things so guys can play fast, so guys can read and react, and they, they're not so worried about their movement and what they're doing pro step or if they're out of position. So, yeah, I know I told you, I, I'm what you're saying. Yeah, but this Chris Ash is supposed to be a, a simplification from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? A regression from that. Which here's, Orlando was an, here's another way to look at that. It's something we talked about with the defense all year. Like, what was one question we kept asking, Ron? What are they good at? Like, if you really sat Todd Orlando down and asked him, yeah. what are you good at? What could he say? There's really not a whole lot you can say. And I think that's part, that's the biggest thing in the simplification process to say, we can get really good. If you can just get really good. Yep. In your base defense, and you can get that down, yep. then you can worry about the other stuff later. But if you don't get good at doing something, all oh, the other great. stuff doesn't really matter. That's your identity. Yeah. And in Texas defense didn't have an identity. When push comes to shove, what's a coverage or a blitz? Something that you say when all else fails, we know this is going to work. We yep. can just we we might give up something, yep. but we can sit in this and we feel like we can go compete. I totally agree. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what they were really good. I mean, they got a lot of right. interceptions this year, but I just think that because guys were making plays, but they weren't necessarily good at one particular at, uh, you know, aspect of the game. That know, is that is the simplification process. Yeah, I told, so I'm with you. And that's why Tom Rivers said he wants he wants to simplify it for the D-lineman because if a guy's a really good pass rusher, I want him to just be a really yeah. disruptive pass rusher. Mm-hmm. He's a freak. I want him to be able to do that all the – like Charles Amanda, who looking back, should just been rushing a damn passer yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like now looking at him with the Texans, you're like – Damn, because the Sailing Texans, the Texans usually, they literally only use him in pass rushing situations. They'll throw him out there. And he's been killing it. He's awesome. He's like a third down back for the passing back, but he's just yeah. your third down pass yeah. rush specialist. And in the Big 12, they're passing all the time. You should have had time. him wide, just rushing around. So it's, it's one of those things. I think even Malcolm Roach probably would have done better as a from a wider technique 
Even okay. even even running the three man front, even the three man front, Baylor has their guys wider. You can still run them wider. Your defensive mm-hmm. ends there. So even my, my point being, I totally agree with you. Figure out something you do really well. I don't know what Texas is going to be in, in the Chris Ash defense, but that's all based on the personnel they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do like this change for the defensive line. And you look, we. I, there's nothing wrong with a three-man front if it's executed properly. Not at all. But I think for the personnel you've got, and, and especially the ability you've got now to play Joseph mm-hmm. Osai, Marquez Bimage in particular on the edge, yeah. and have them be true legitimate pass rushers. Yeah. Now you're getting somewhere. Even I, you know, I think so. So can now you play Ojimo and uh, Coburn together? Yeah. Is, is that is that in this scheme? I mean, you think that's the yeah. I mean, I think you're probably getting a lot of more of your playmakers on the field too. Yeah, uh, on the defensive line. Yeah, no, I, I got I, actually I got no problem with the with the with the four man scheme at all. I just I, I think that Longhorn fans obviously made too much of it, but yeah, you know it, it, it can work either way. It doesn't matter. Yeah, as long as you don't have correctly. to discriminate upon one. Yeah, yeah it, it, there's I, no I, point to go. I, you could you could do, either way for any argument, three man or four man, you could argue the other side. Just as adequately, I think, or articulately, I should say. You know, what I mean, it really can. Because if you're running a four man front, then it becomes okay. Are you pulling a linebacker off the field? Are you pulling a safety off the field? Exactly. What are you doing in your nickel position? Yeah. The Big Twelve There's is tough. A lot of ramifications that come from that. Yeah, no doubt. So I mean, I know we're gonna spend time on that, of course, going forward. But I think it's an opportunity for Texas, man. I'm with you. I think the linebacker position worries me. I think you got enough D linemen. I think you have. Good, you know, I think you have good playmaking D linemen that you can develop in that scheme to put four on the field. I'm not really worried about the secondary either. And it sounds crazy. I know they gave up a lot of big plays, but I think there's a ton of talent back mm-hmm. there, like a ton of it at corner and at safety. My biggest concern going forward for Chris Ash in this scheme is the linebackers. The scheme is hardest on linebackers, and it's right now we've talked about this even before Chris Ash came in to the, to the equation. It's real. It's a random position inside linebackers in the Big Twelve country, and this culture is just tough to find. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's why everybody's making like hybrid linebackers now. TCU and even Texas, um, they just want hybrid guys. Look at the better linebackers in this league, Rod. In the last five, six years, it's been guys like think about the guys TCU's had, like Traven Howard, like Garrett Wallow. Uh, you know, Gary Johnson's a guy that we brought up. Jordan earlier. Hicks was a good linebacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Hicks was Hicks was a different. That's a different deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When you're, you know, second NFL in tackles as you're, yeah, 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 yeah. that's true. But like Terrell Bernard at Baylor is one of those guys. Like it's guys that are six one, two fifteen, two twenty, and can run. They're just strong. They can cover in space. Yeah, Yeah. just strong safeties. You just move down. Yeah, I mean, and right now you basically have to just assume that the opposing team is going to scheme some of their best playmakers because nowadays you see guys at tight end or at running back that can catch the ball down the field and high point balls and make people miss an open field and do all the things that star wide receivers used to do. But now they're going to be up against your linebackers and you want to have as many of those guys on the field. So those in safeties, it's hard to allocate four guys up front on all plays. You got to be malleable to the matchup. Well, that we'll have time to to get into you know, Chris Ash's defense as once the hire is made official, and you know we get closer to spring ball, we start trying to piece this thing together. But no, no, I I really I think it's going to be a good. I think ultimately it could be a good hire. I think ultimately it could it could fail, but he's going to bring in the rugby tackling technique. Texas has been one of the mm-hmm. worst tackling teams in the country for the last actually 10 years. Um, every, 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 actually that first year of the DC every year is when Texas has a, a kind of a, I would say a good tackling year overall. 
annually. You know, probably what I mean? correlates with the experience. Yeah, it's like it's like 2011. No, yeah, it's 2011, 2014, and 2017. We were good tackling teams, but every other year in that, we've been one of the worst tackling teams in the country, and we were the worst in the Big 12 this year. The rugby tackling technique, and Urban Byron talks about it. He said, man, it really helped their tackling, and it was one of the reasons he thought they were one of the best tackling teams in the country the year they won the national title when Chris Ash was there. And he's the one that convinced Urban Meyer to do it. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a big fan of rugby tackling. I know the Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom, it was one of their staples of their kind of football philosophy because it allows guys to ta- to practice the elements of tackling without the physicality of it. You extrapolate <coughs> that from it in practice and what Chris Ash said in his, you know, his research that he found that a lot of players were already doing it naturally. That they makes just sense. To, they just have to categorize it and tell them term, you know, in terms of terminology, tell them exactly what they were doing. But he said it it allows you to keep guys keep guys healthy, keep guys fresher, and still be able to practice tackling. That's one of the conundrums, right? How do you practice tackling when you practice less? All right, yeah. during the week because of rules and regulations, and guys get hurt all the time. You don't want your guys getting hurt. You want them fresh. And rugby tackling has kind of solved that problem. And he's going to bring that to Texas. And if that can solve Texas tackling problems, you know what? That may be half the damn battle on defense. I mean, that's so big right there. If you (laughs) can find a way to – it's like a hack to streamline your production that you don't have – because what have we talked about? Herman wants idea of physicality and wants practices to be that way. But then we've seen over the years here and in previous stops, the injuries, uh, I mean, obviously, just come with the territory. The more physical you are. And then if, say, you're injuring people and then you're bringing in less experienced guys and then they're tackling and then can become a very bad cycle. So if you can find a way to – create good habits that are going to be effective that are going to be literally something just like going through shells when you had to adjust with football and get out of pads and just how you had 15 hours or whatever you're allowed to be in pads now that you weren't before it's the same type of idea you still can get stuff done you just have to do it smarter and the idea i didn't realize that carol not harder let's go back to meathead football (laughs) (laughs) you have to go run into a break sour coke sours right there 100 percent but like yeah it's hundred percent, and so it's right. only smart, and it's exactly yeah. what Carroll did with Seattle. And I mean, yep. if you can do it at the top level of football, you can prove that it can be implemented anywhere. Yeah. So he's a problem solver, and I I like that part about Chris Ash too. By the way, Urban Meyer brought him in to run that Michigan State. He, the state, the, the the system he runs is a Pat Narduzzi, I believe, system yeah. from Michigan State. They took over the Big Ten, mm-hmm. running that press quarters coverage scheme, and that's when Urban Meyer went. Well, you know what? I want them to I want them to run that scheme, you know, here at here at Ohio State. So I don't think he initially that was the scheme he ran. So he's a guy that can change and morph is what yeah. you've noticed throughout his career. And I like that. I like guys who that's what I liked about Barry Odom. Barry Odom, he's run three man front, four man front. Barry Odom like, man, I'll run whatever the hell I gotta run. He's a foot. He's a football coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell I got to run to to make sure I stop my opponent. Yeah. I like guys like that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Chris Ash in his Iowa State days, you'll find I me. Mean, you can find tapes on YouTube where he's breaking down the Tampa two. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. Like he's all over the place. So I I like that about him. I like that he may come to the Texas and come up with something totally fresh. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, he I like might that. look at that linebacker room and say, "Ooh, maybe that's not maybe that's not what we need to do." He's one of those guys. 
So I like that. Yeah, and I like the way you brought up there just like what cho- chose them to adjust at Ohio State was sort of what we were saying that we were hoping to see via Herman is be like, well, if you don't know what who to hire, it's just like just go hire what continues to stop you. Whatever D.C. that – and it's what Urban's like, man, I, we can't do anything against Michigan State. We need to bring that type of defense over here. And just yep. being able to know, uh, apply those things – from the outside within, and Herman has an offseason to play with those type of configurations. Bob Stoops did it when he was at Florida, yep. in Kentucky with Mike Leach. He was like, that air raid is whipping me, man. It's killing me. <laughs> Let's do it. And I'm beating up on everybody. You know what? I'm bringing that air raid with me. Yeah, I'm totally. And I'm then the idea it. that, I mean, Ash is a guy that can adjust and do anything. It goes all the way back to what started this conversation, talking about great coordinators in like modern football and position versatility. Muschamp didn't care if a guy was a linebacker. He's going to be a D tackle at Texas. And then we had other ones that yeah. Bump from D tackle all the yeah. way out, and like if we quit Macho, carrying Sam Macho, if we exactly, I just spent D tackle here in Texas. Yeah. In the yeah. Elite, yeah. Crazy, even Okafor man. too, man. I forget Okafor's about playing linebacker, That's picking true. off balls with the Saints. That's a great stuff. point. Well, so, okay, so let's quit That's talking about point. three man, four man fronts. Yeah. Put the best linemen out there, the best players that can adjust my, against yeah. your matchup. That's it doesn't matter point, what man. they're labeled. The labels are pointless in basketball these days, and they're getting pointless in football. That's a great point. That Man, that's what well that's money. even to simpler than that. I mean, don't isn't that how we look at offensive football? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what Joe Brady's doing. At, he literally, broke, out of Joe Brady's mouth during the research, I remember the quote, we're playing positionless football. Yeah. We're also having an intelligent conversation yeah. here, though. That's yeah, he said, we're playing positionless football now. Everybody's going to learn everybody's position. Yeah. They want to get mm-hmm. out there. They're going to be able to. That's why they'll, every now and then you go watch LSU, they'll go almost super hurry up. Yeah. Where they just and and they'll have plays already installed where the wide receiver shifts back in the backfield. He ends up running like an arrow route. Man, it's crazy. Well, they just knew the linebacker is going to end up guarding them, so they shift out the Thaddeus Moss. <laughs> Doing what Allen Robinson did to Dallas. I, I love it. Honestly, and I'll say this too. Whoever drafts Joe Burrow, and it's going to be Cincinnati, if you don't offer Joe Brady the <laughs> co-OC job and the quarterback's co- co-OC and You're co-quarterback's right. you job, fired. you and it, you should be fired. <laughs> you, dude, that should be automatic. The, like, the dude, Bengals no. have a safe <laughs> hack. Like, they could get to the Dude, top. right now, that'd be automatic. I'm drafting Joe Burrow, Joe Brady. You coming with him, brother. You about to get a raise with Joe Burrow. With Who's coming with me? I will pay you $2 million, whatever you want. You yep. my co-OC, passing game coordinator, and my co-QB coach. Boom. Come on in. Because Joe Burrow said uh, before the season started, he said, we're running stuff that I ran when I was 13, 14, and 15 because Joe Brady basically started asking me my input on the offense. Like, hey, well, what do you like to run? Like, mm-hmm. People were like, oh, that's great. No, no, that's how it should be. Yes. Like, what, what do you like this to run? This is a working environment. What do you do well? What it's a simple well? thing that every and employer Burrow, asks you. Joe Burrow said, that's why I'm so comfortable in the offense, man. It's just yeah. that simple. So, anyway, well, sorry. Whoever's, no, whoever's running the Texas offense. We know it's not going to be Graham Harrell. You haven't had that conversation with Sam, obviously. <laughs> what yeah. are you like? We got to run, Sam. No, I guess they haven't talked. So, back to the drum. Rod, but. we know it's not going to be Graham Harrell. Ain't going to be Joe Brady. Ain't going to be Joe Brady. Ain't going to be uh, Chad Morris. Ain't going to be Chad Morris. Ain't going to be Jeff Scott. Ain't going to be Jeff Scott. Chad yeah, name Morris. another one. Ain't gonna be. Ain't gonna be great. So, I mean, yeah. probably. Like what was the top like four guys? Probably. I don't think Chad Morris is ever in it. Um, and that you know what? That's idiotic too. No, well that's that's fact that he wasn't even in it is Well, but that's it's just an odd situation. No, can we, like, can uh, we let's just let's not beat around the bush. I'm like, not gonna beat around I'm just saying I, like, No, I'm talking like, about myself. Like look, I heard straight up that Tom Herman's really not a big fan of Chad Morris. Chad Morris is not a really big fan of Tom Herman. So mm-hmm. that I don't think was ever really I wonder if it's football out. or personal. I don't know. 
But who's a big fan of Tom Herman? Huh? Who is a big fan of Tom Herman? I'm just saying we can't get coaches here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying just, if that's the conversation, then who's a big fan of Tom Herman? I'm asking like he couldn't get great. I mean, saying who's a big fan then? Because uh, the hardest big fan is you, you. The part of the thing is the conversation is you. It's a lot of nepotism going on. You're going to get your boys because if you go outside your comfort zone, outside the circle, you got to convince these coaches, hey, right. come work with me, man. I'm going to help your future. It's going to be hard future. to hire an offensive it's, coordinator so, when he's an offensive guy. My point is, guy. who's a fan? Right. I'm basically saying Chad Morris was never an option, so there's really no point in bringing up Chad Morris's name. Well, um, Graham Harrell's not a fan either, I guess. Well, to get to the point, though, like I don't, <laughs> I don't think Rhett Lashley's going to leave SMU. And why would he? He's got Red Red Lashley wouldn't leave SMU for tech. This is crazy. This has got to be a problem now. We got to be talking about this is a problem. problem. We are talking about it as a problem. You can't get Red. And listen, by the way, I love Red Lashley, by the way. If you, okay, if you're Tom Herman and you love the pro spread, right? You love the big pro spread guy. guy. (laughs) Like, just deduce it to that. You love the pro spread, which is basically the power spread. Well, who runs the power spread as well as anybody in the country? Gus Malzahn. Okay. So, Red Lashley is basically his entire career. Has been under Gus. He he played quarterback under Gus Malzahn in high school, and has basically followed Gus Malzahn around and been his OC and grad assistant forever. Right, so he knows the power spread as well as anybody in the country, and that's probably one of the best power spreads in the country, which is basically what your pro spread wants to be. So you got that, and also now with Sonny Dykes, he's an air raid guy. It's an air raid ish power spread. That's what they run at SMU. And it's one of the best in the country. By the way, it's almost a top 10 offense. If you kind of look at all the, the, the stats of it, it's very explosive. Explosive offense, throw the football mm-hmm. downfield. And by the way, they run the football more than they throw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Owen, you know what I mean? So, I, so, think, I think they're top, almost top 40 in the country in rushing offense. So, if, first of all, why wouldn't you be interested, number one? All right? Because he's also a quarterback guru, himself a quarterback, and Shane Bouchot's playing some of his best football. Why wouldn't you be interested, number one, because that guy fits everything you've even been interested in, which is Graham Harrell in the air raid, and your power spread fits. It's perfect, perfectly compatible. Why wouldn't you want that guy? Number two, why can't you get that guy? That's the biggest question. He's at SMU as an OC. He's in the state. You can't, If you can't get Red Lashley... Dude, because I think and Rod- so the only thing you can get is Major Applewhite. And by the way, I love Major Applewhite. Think he's great, and I think Major would work here too. By the way, but getting back to a deeper question, you can't get Red Lashley. I, I think I, I think Tom Herman's interested in Red Lashley. But I, can I you think, get him? I think the SMU job right now, Rod's more stable. I, I think. The, <laughs> are you saying though, but to be a like potential down think, the road, he wants to be a head coach? I think or are you the next. I, I think the next step for Rhett Lashley is being a head coach. I do too. And I think I think right now, when you look at his situation mm-hmm. at SMU, they're a ten-win team this year. Next year, he's got Shane Bouchelle coming back. He's got Reggie Robertson, his top receiver, coming back. They're going to be one of the better offenses in the country next year. Mike Norvell's out of the American, so maybe you can win. Maybe you can win that conference. I agree. With maybe all those get things. you to the New York Six Bowl. I agree. With all those I, the argument can be made right now that being the offensive coordinator at SMU is a more stable position Dude, than being, the, than being the offensive right? coordinator See, in Texas. I can agree with everything you said, but I agree the idea with that you said, by the way, but, but that if Texas, me when you say that when Texas is at the wow. point that because it used to be, I mean, we're talking like even I thought That's two crazy. years ago, you'd be like. 
It doesn't matter what aligns well for you and your future. If you're offered an OC at Texas and, and it's the, a lateral yeah. move professionally, it's not to be a head coach somewhere or get the head coach wow. in waiting or even necessarily get a raise. You go to Texas because it's the stepping stone to get you the head coaching gig. Wow. Not to that swear. That would just be alarming for either alarming how me. Texas is viewed or how Tom Herman is viewed at Texas exactly more specifically to OC because an OC like by this point hell why didn't Tom Herman just be the the, the OC the whole I mean, season's your list on the line at this point is what exactly. Chip Long and Major Applewhite yeah you ain't gonna get Kendall Browse he ain't bringing him in there so your list no. at this point is Major Applewhite and Chip Long if you're or saying Rich, if you're saying and I agree with you by the way you make you make great points <laughs> that Rich Lashley is not gonna leave and I, it's sad that if he does it would be it would be an upset at this point if he left SMU to come to Texas. Lord. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. He's, I mean, <laughs> you just really he's on the list. He's, on, he's bummer, on the man. he's on the list, but I'm just saying if you're no, if no, you're I'm, if you're hoping Rhett Lashley's the offensive coordinator at Texas next year, don't hold, don't hold your breath. I am hoping that's the but case. Don't, don't hold your breath, Rod. That's what I'm telling you. Wow. Okay. Anyway, because that was kind of one of my takes. If that is not the case, then where are we at? If if Rhett Lashley's out of the discussion. And Graham Harrell's out I don't of the think discussion. he's completely out of the discussion. I just think it's, as, as the way things sit right now, it's highly unlikely. Honestly, I, I think Red Lashley will be perfectly compatible I do too. With, with Texas. I, I, I do the too. The power spread. You've already got Herb Hand here as the offensive line coach. They worked together at Auburn for a year. Come on, man. And, and oh, I didn't even think about that. And he knows that he can recruit Texas. I, I don't really get what's he's, Yeah, the Arkelotex, so all that, whatever out there. You know what I mean? Because he's from Arkansas, I think, originally. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> So this is hey, you know what? Okay, let's talk about this thing. Because if Tom Herman can't get Red Lashley, then to me, all the my thoughts about Tom Herman is that Tom Herman is not a coach's coach. Okay? And I'll tell you what I mean by that. He's not a coach's coach, he's a player's coach. And nothing wrong with that, by the way. I think you can be both or you can be one or the other. Mac Brown, I think, was a player's coach. I don't think Mac Brown was a coach's coach. I never saw Mac Brown write up a draw up a play. On a dry race board, he never he never critiqued any aspect of my game. I never saw Mac Brown talk actual X's and O's. Never heard him talk actual football. I swear to God, it was all motivational, and the kind of delegating, and it was all about you know talent development. That kind of, I kind I never saw him drop down other than his CEO role to to actually come talk football. Yeah. You go watch you know practices of Bama, Nick Saban. Mm. And those guys are literally working on footwork. They're, they're, talking, they're all there with the punt return team uh-huh. and talking to, talking to the gunners like, "Hey man, get your stance right, get your hands up." <laughs> Mike Brown never did that. He was yeah, running around practice. Belichick do that stuff. <laughs> awesome. Bell- he's like <laughs> getting physical. Yeah, he's people. like giving DB drills and like, get your hands right here, hand placement, hand placement. You know, Mike Brown never did that. He was walking around practice with boosters and donuts. But I respected Mac because I understood he, he and I think he knew his role. He was the Godfather. Yeah, so he brought in great coaches like Coach Akina and guys that could, you know, that that could actually develop that talent and that could administer, administer kind of administer his culture. So I think he knew he was like, no, no, I'm a, I'm a player. That's why he's dancing in the locker rooms now, you know what I mean? And when mm-hmm. VY was here, he's like playing 50 cent like he understands like, no, no, I'm gonna let my players run this damn thing, but I'm gonna recruit the right players. You better be damn sure mm-hmm. I'm gonna recruit the right players. I'm gonna have the right coach. That's on me. That's on me. That's yeah, on me. That's, that's my job. I'll figure that out. I'll build the culture. I'll hang out. I'll keep the boast, the boosters and the donors happy. That's why at Texas he was brilliant because yeah. he's a politician. He can run for office right now and win. Yeah. And in almost in any state, I believe he's just that damn good at being a politician. He was a he was a people person. Mac Brown would always make you feel special. When you were in Mac's presence, Mac made you feel special, whether you liked him or not. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? He always made, and Tom doesn't have either of those. Tom doesn't have that. So, so, have so that, that. that's why you can be a coach's coach, uh, sorry, a player's coach like Mac was and still be good here in Texas because Mac, Mac understood BBC in the box, all that. Mac was just a visionary. Um, and God bless the man. 
but Tom Herman, Tom Herman obviously doesn't understand the magnitude of the, the position here at Texas, right? You can you know that, right? This is a guy that, that scratched himself and went to love on Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> you don't see coaches do that because somebody tells the coach at one point, you know you're on camera, right? You can't get it. You, 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 every time you're out Brown there, people never are watching. Cut. Yeah, you never get it. You don't think Mac Brown was itching at one point? You don't think his undercarriage itch? No, Mac was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. I got to go to the locker room. I got to get it. Yep. I can't scratch that. Image. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tom Herman's not like that. He scratches that 50 itch. 50-yard right? line. <laughs> and then goes to love on the Minnesota of culture. But he also, the headbutt thing, you never seen a coach do that, right? That's nope. for strength coaches. Because he doesn't really understand, but he's also a player's coach. You don't see coaches do that. You don't see Nick Saban and Bill Belichick do that, right? They're not, but Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are not players' coaches, right? Players don't really like them, but everybody respects them. Coaches go work for Nick Saban even though they don't like them. They know they're going to be miserable. Major knows he's going to have a miserable life with Nick Saban. He's like, I got to go back to Nick Saban, man. I got to go. I got to make sure I'm right in the head. You know what I mean? So my thing about Tom Herman is coaches go work with other coaches who are like a coach's coach who's going to they're going to further my career. They're going to help me. All right, I'm going to be better once I leave them for whatever reason, or they're going to take care of me, whatever. Is Tom Herman a coach's coach? Well, coaches believe that. Now, if you're not, that's fine. You can be a player's coach. But if you're a player's coach, you can't be losing recruits. You're a player's coach. You can't have, you can't have revolts in your locker room. You can't have distrust in the locker room if you're a player's coach now. You know what I mean? You can't have the Drew Maringer incident and all that. You're a player's coach. Now you gotta you got to have the trust of the players if you're a player's coach. I never lost trust in Mac. Never lost trust in Mac. You know what I mean? Do we question Mac? Of course. But we never lost trust in Mac. We were always loyal down to the team. I mean, Mac came to hit blows. You know what I mean? Mac came to blows? Not because I criticized Mac, because I criticized his players at the time. He said I criticized his players' IQ. Didn't like that. Because why? Matt goes to, the, goes to the mat for his players. He's a player's coach. And I understood that. So I was like, I respect Matt. Because if I was playing for Matt right now, he'd do the same for me. And I respect can, it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my thing about, about Tom is, dude, if you're a player's coach, you got to have a trust of them players. If you're a coach's coach, I think it's hard for him to recruit other coaches. He couldn't impress Graham Harrell as just a coach. Coaches talk ball and life. Did, you, did, you, did Graham Harrell go get off the phone with you and go, Damn, I need to go work for that dude. I yeah. got to go work for that dude. Did he? Nope. And these other guys, did they do that? I'm talking about guys who, are, who don't know you. They just know of you. You're the coach at Texas. Everybody takes your call. Everybody. So they just, they just want to, they just want to, they, they don't give you five minutes. If you don't impress them in five minutes, like any other woman, I'm hitting on him in the club. Yeah. She's going to go get disinterested and go, this dude ain't whatever they got. I thought like, he was. Like Chip Long, if he hasn't taken it, he's going to. That's my thing. So, you can be recruiting coaches too now. And Mac was good at recruiting coaches. Why? He was a people person. He was a politician. And Mac knew how to – Mac was a great mm-hmm. salesman. We all knew that. You know what I mean? I don't know if Tom has Tom Herman has all that. So I'm questioning now when you can't get Red Lassie from LSU. From, <laughs> I got to question whether, you, whether you're a coach's coach. You must be just a player's coach, which is fine. But, you know, are the players responding to you? Charlie Strong was a player's coach. Struck out. But I think that. He wasn't a coach's coach because Charlie Stroud couldn't even get Sterling Gilbert to Texas. <laughs> but I think. <laughs> yeah, it took the president to go do that. I you think know the I mean? thing. And this is the thing that annoys me anytime Texas is a coach and search. And I'm not dumping on the fans at all when I say this. I'm not. Um, because I've been where the fans are right now when you're look, you know, involved in your, you know, following coordinator searches and whatnot. It's this impression that oh Texas can just go get anybody they want because of the brand. No, the coaching like the baseball coaching search at Texas. 
should have shown this fan base. And I know I'm getting off track, but just no, follow no, me. Go ahead. The baseball coaching search at Texas should have shown everybody that this isn't a place where, hey, just throw money at the problem. It'll fix itself. No. You know how far down the list, and I love David Pierce. You know how far down the list they had to go before they hired David Pierce? Mm. How many guys told hand? Texas no? Wow. All yeah, right. Matt, you're on your second hand counting fingers. Stop thinking that just because that steer logo is on a T-shirt or on a flag or on the side of a building, that people are just going to magically come here because it's some great opportunity. No. You know what? A lot of programs have money. A lot of programs give you opportunity. A lot of programs can give you a platform to be successful. I guarantee you, Rod, if Rhett Lashley has another year like he had this year at SMU, he's going to be a head coach in 2021. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So why does he need to come to Texas and risk playing for coaching with a guy that might get fired after next year? Very true. When he's got stability at SMU. So I think Graham Harrell didn't have stability at, at USC, and he chose USC. Yeah. But I agree. USC is a blue butt like Texas. My, but yeah. Graham Harrell knows that unstable situation inside and out. That's he true. knows the instability of that situation. That's true. He may think I got a shot. And like he may, we, I got a shot to be head coach, coach here. Like we yeah. talked about last week. It'd be one year restart if he Maybe came Mike Bond, the AD, has said, hey, we're going to give you this guaranteed contract, and if it doesn't work out with Clay, just you'll hang tight. Shot. We might have something for you. Yeah, you'll get a shot. No, I agree. But stop thinking that just because Texas has an opening that, oh, well, there's just money whip somebody. They're just going to throw money at somebody. No, it doesn't work that way anymore. Everybody has money. <laughs> and that's not the smartest way to do it anyway. It's not the smartest way to do it. But you still should be able to get it red Lashley. <laughs> yep. Damn what you okay. say. It's SMU. You should be able to pull that one, man. When You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, not saying red Lashley is that low on the list, but, man, I mean, think about So if you're at that point, you're at Chip Long and Major Applewhite. By the way, I like Chip Long. Big Chip Long fan. I, I would I would be optim- very optimistic about the offense of Chip Long ended up getting the offensive coordinator job. Yeah. For no, two no. reasons. One, I love what he does with his personnel packages. I he like can run a lot of different personnel packages. He's yeah. not married to a certain personnel grouping. And two, talk to anybody close to that Notre Dame program, they'll tell you, dude was a dynamic play caller. Yeah, he's almost a pro-style play caller. His ability to call plays was not the reason he's not at Notre Dame anymore. Yeah. something I, We still don't really know what the hell is the reason. I think it just... The, we still don't really know. Him huh? and Brian Kelly are very, they're very, you know, you could call them stubborn guys. They got a case of the red ass, whatever. And they're almost too similar to work together. And I think it just, I think it just got to a point where it's like, look, um, I got this yeah. is producing, but it ain't, it ain't healthy working. for either of us. Some football working, coaches yeah. are just like that. No, I agree. Like, I'm, I'm basically miserable. I'm sorry. I've been miserable for a year. I'm sorry. Like, this ain't working. No, yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I found this about Chip Long now because he was once under Mike Norvell, who's, Right. I love Mike Norvell, and Mike Norvell's offensive uh, philosophy is unbelievable. Do you realize Mike Norvell had four different offensive coordinators in four years at Memphis? No. He had Chip Long, Dara Dickey. Dickey is now the OC at A&M, yeah. I believe. Well, yeah, but Jimbo Fisher calls plays. Jimbo Fisher so. calls plays. Um, Kenny Dillingham, well, I don't know who that is, and I think Kevin Johns, who's the, he was the OC at Tech under Cliff Kingsbury at one point. Dude. Four different OCs in four years. I think he won double digits in what two of those four, something like that. Man, that Mike Nor- So the Mike Norvell tree is a good tree. Mike Norvell identifies coaching talent really <coughs> well, especially guys who offensively can call plays and contribute. So that's kind of why I like Chip Long looking at that Mike Norvell tree. And of course, there's Major Applewhite. I don't, 
I mean, I don't know if they're going to bring Major oh, if it's Applewhite Major back. Major and Ash, and it's all the same people. That's just, I mean, they could be the right hires. It's could just going right to be also easy ammunition for fans to mm-hmm. point it out and be like, oh, yep, that's the yeah, ma- Major Applewhite. Very true. I think you got to throw in Courtney Messingham, the uh, Kansas State offensive coordinator, who's the tight ends coach, who was with Tom Herman at uh, Iowa State. His name has got to be mentioned also. Okay. I wouldn't call Major Applewhite. A terrible hire? No, I don't think it would be a terrible hire. But I think it would be the least inspired hire Tom Herman could make. It would, and there's baggage. I mean, obviously we all know there's baggage there. So there's some baggage there that administratively would be, you know, I'm sure an issue of something yes. like that. you got to shoot that up all the way to Bill Powers and CDC to figure out well, I'll how, tell you that, this. how that would play uh, with, you know, the, yeah. the board and regions well, and all we that kind of stuff. Well, we maybe find out of what rumors and stuff. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. you basically have to do an investigative kind yeah. of uh, search to find out, are there any other ba- bodies that are buried that are going to come yeah, up, anything like that. You know what two I mean? things on that. One, the yeah. Bev Kearney lawsuit obviously was settled. Yeah. And two, when Tom Herman got the job, the green light was given for Major Applewhite to come to Texas if he didn't get the U of H job. Okay. Because one of those two coordinators, whichever one didn't get the U of H job, was coming with Tom Herman, whether it was Major Applewhite or Todd, or Todd Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just, just throwing it out there. I know. But here's – But here's, he, hasn't, I know, he hasn't been a name that's been thrown around a lot for this And search. it's not a, for a lot of reasons, he's I'm on sure. a very ascending, uh, you know, path. Yeah, like he's so. out there, and yeah, his name has not been a popular name that's been but thrown around. Kind of like, yeah, the continuity gonna, between yeah. him and Tom may be the one thing, the catalyst that could well, be what could tell Well, now you're at, the, you're at a situation where the top five, six names are off the board, essentially, mm. as well. But I also think it's kind of like the Chad Morris thing, and as you pointed out, there are reasons Chad Morris' name didn't come up even though he was out there. For Major Applewhite, I almost feel like something similar. There are reasons his name has not come up as one of the top candidates. Well, I think it's out there now. Well, hell, it's got to (laughs) be. You only got like two candidates. (laughs) Red Lashley's going to get an extension apparently in the next two weeks. He's going to get paid again. Uh, We can't get Texas getting people raises across the country. I'll put it like this. Shouldn't be able to get Red Lashley. I'll put it like this with the Major Applewhite. I'm going to drive over here. I, I, I was on the phone with somebody who would definitely know that situation, and I said, is this something I can com- I can completely dismiss? And I was told, no, don't completely oh, dismiss it. Oh, you cannot. That would be irresponsible to dismiss it at this point. Yeah. Now that you don't have an OC. He's one of the top three candidates. It's got to be. It's Chip Long, it's Rhett Lashley, and it's Major Applewhite. And, and Courtney, then, Courtney Messingham, I think it's four. Yeah. All right, yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think and honestly, either one of those, I actually have a lot of faith that it could be a success. It, the one reason why you can't completely dump on a Major Applewhite hire is this. Oh no! If and I think this is where like a guy like Chip Long probably wouldn't, and, and this is maybe where Rhett Lashley wouldn't come to Texas. And I think this this has to be taken into consideration. This is what we haven't talked about, and I'm, I don't know if there's people throwing stuff at the radio right now or whatever, <laughs> but throwing their phones. One thing people missed in Tom Herman's comments before his Alamo Bowl press conference, when we as reporters got him for like probably ten fifteen minutes by ourselves. He did say he, the next offensive coordinator at Texas, he wants them to be the play caller and wants them to be the primary voice on offense. He wants to take a step back, remove himself from being as deep in the woods, so to say, as he was with the offense this year that he has had to be. Mm-hmm. The part that people missed but, was <laughs> but. Tom Herman saying, I'll always have a part in the offense. I'll always be, he's always going to be within arm's reach of it. Which then begs the question, Rod, once you get in these conversations with these coaches, 
Yeah. To what extent are you going to be involved? Do I have yeah. full control? How much autonomy do I have? Yeah. Or how much will even like say a really brilliant yeah. offensive mind yeah. want to then go to a situation Roger. where you have somebody above him constricting that's gonna maybe limit his options. Yeah. And no, that's I'll why like if that. you look at a guy like Chip Long, I just got done working for one guy that constantly meddled in yeah. game planning and play calling. Why would I want to go to a situation where that could happen again? Totally agree. I'm not saying that's the deal, but that's— Honestly, that was if, one of the reasons Red, La- uh, Red Lashley left uh, Gus Malzahn. Yeah, because it was always going to be—it was never going to be his offense. got to the point, I think, around in 2016 where yeah. he basically, uh, right before he left, he was started dipping into the play calling, and ultimately— you know, They didn't have a falling out or anything, but Red Lashley was like, obviously, I need to go <laughs> do my own thing. If there's yeah. anybody as similar, they would be like a Herman yeah. to so, a Malzahn. No, I, I, that's, that, could, that could be the reason why you can't get a Graham Harrow and why you won't get a Red Lashley. That's a good point, but— that goes back to what we discussed initially when that's all this went problem. down. Arrogance. Yeah, that's, that's pride. Because your offense didn't work, buddy. I watched it versus TCU. I watched it versus the best defense in the Big 12. TCU, the quarterback had four picks. Versus Iowa State, I don't know, running game didn't work at all. Versus Oklahoma, he got sacked nine times. I mean, I watched you versus the best. Yeah, K State at home, you had a big, you had a big game. Yeah, but we but, talked about that K State defense. That was kind of smoking mirrors how yeah, they were getting by. That's you yeah. know, I watched you versus the best defense in the Big Twelve down. And then stretch. Baylor, nothing worked. And Baylor, nothing worked. So I, yeah, I don't understand how you can say, well, you know, I I need to have some control here. But you know, I mean, it, it is it is him on the hot seat. So I to, I kind of understand where he can go. Yeah. Though, well, I'm not letting this thing go completely off the rails. He knows he can't. He, he doesn't yeah. have any more things to play like this is at the very end he's got to get this right and that's a tough decision if you put yourself in Herman's shoes knowing that like your offensive Mm. mind got you here but then now your ultimate fate may be decided by you recognizing it's not working the way I wanted it to and either aligning with somebody that can align with you like he likes and like he talks about or giving those duties up and sort of admitting that this didn't work but if I'm going to be a head coach I don't necessarily have to be the guy in charge of the offense, but when that's all you've ever been and all you've ever known until you became a head coach, that's tough to do. Gift and the curse. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it unfolds. Uh, we've got you know signing period this week. That's going to wrap up uh, after you know, the 72-hour window opens on Wednesday. We'll just kind of see how this goes, man. I mean, they're, they're, Tom Herman's number one priority right now is to finish off this recruiting class, at least this part of it. Uh, the 16 commitments you've got, get those guys signed and – uh, head into the second period with you know, some open spots and some guys still on the board. So, and who knows? I mean, maybe we have something on offensive coordinator here pretty soon. But right, I think timing is not as important right now as if you're Tom Herman, making sure when you announce it that you feel like you got the right guy. I agree. No, no, I'm with you. At this point, you don't you don't care about the timing. <clears throat> Excuse me. You don't care about the timing at this point because I mean it's already late in it. Right. In the process. You're not, if you're not getting Graham Harrell, then. Just, yeah, everybody else can wait. At least, at least we talk about optics, right? At least if you wait, at least you present the, even if it's presenting the illusion that you did some due diligence or whatever. Agreed. It's, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, people think like, man, it took a while. This must be the guy they really wanted. They yeah. vetted him. He was vetted. Yeah. yeah. And agree. whether that's the case or not, the optics suggest you can go that route. No doubt. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. It, interesting times we're living in, but I, I, I'll say this in closing. The one reason why I'm not optimistic about any of this, I know. we've been here before. Yeah. We've seen it before. We've seen this before. And yep. it hasn't worked out before. And history tells you these things don't work out. I'm they not saying yeah. it can't, 
But history tells you it's, rare. it's probably not going to. And it's when rare. you think it's right uh, almost in it's line, rare. you get slapped in the face again, and you're back where you started. Yeah, it's rare. It is. And then, yeah, like I said, recruiting on top of all that, and we, that's a different monster altogether, do which you, also relates to this. Do you realize we're in a decade where Mac Brown's reboot of the program and Tom Herman's reboot are in the same freaking decade? It's bad business. It's a whole decade. It's about We've to be over. Three different coaches. <laughs> three different coaches in this decade that have re- tried to reboot on the fly. Man, and and quality coach. We, we all thought quality coaches. Three quality coaches and yeah, tried to reboot on the fly. Well, I guess two of them. Charlie's Charlie's not a quality coach. We agree. Yeah. Head coach. Coordinator, yes. Head coach, no. No. Yeah, blame Hopefully that, that Tom Herman's a little different because. Yeah, <laughs> we don't really know much about Tom Herman. We're realizing that now. Now we're realizing like he's just the opposite of Charlie. Yeah, we're realizing this thing basically like four years into the marriage. Like, oh damn, this person I married is not the person I thought. It was thought. just the bounce back, and you were <laughs> immediately like, oh, it's so great. So it's now we're in therapy early. trying to figure out this thing can work before we have the the divorce and tear the whole damn thing down. We'll see. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll keep you guys updated on when the next podcast will be. We'll knock that out and we'll yeah, talk. Maybe, do some, Alamo Bowl maybe some signing day breakdown. Excuse me, as Rod said, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk some Alamo. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, all right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019-AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. You can get Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. You can get this podcast by searching Horns 24-7 Podcasts on Apple Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to like us and leave us a review. And thanks to Matt, you can get our classic interviews and shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.